Hi, friends. I want to let everybody know that after a longer delay than I had initially planned, I'm opening up Flourishing at Work in Academia as a year-long renewable membership program for academic folks. The doors open in October 2022, but enrollment is ongoing. Flourishing is a membership because flourishing is a mindset that requires practice. The get it all done in eight weeks boot camp mentality added more rush and pressure for me and for my clients than felt good. And so over the course of a year, each month in the membership, I'll share content and tools on a topic that's relevant to your professional development. And this is not the content that HR and faculty affairs put out. No budgets, banner, tableau, no databases, no scheduling forms, no class schedules. In Flourishing at Work in Academia, we talk about defining success for yourself, creating a vision for your current career stage that's simple and actionable, prioritizing your time and attention on the things that really matter to you, what boundaries actually look like, developing a warm audience for your scholarship, community, trust, and a good mindset for doing the work that you're meant to do in this world. And as a member, you will also get to experience me challenging you a little bit on things like why tracking your time might make sense, why LinkedIn isn't that bad, and what developing a mindfulness practice might look like and what the benefits might be. We'll meet live twice a month. And you can watch the recording if the time doesn't work out for you. And you can watch past recordings if from before your join date. Um, in the first session, I'll offer more content. In the second session of the month, we'll do coaching, Q&A, things like that. This is not a pre-recorded class, but an evolving community of people who want to be well while doing good in the world. I invite you to go to my website click on work with me and under group coaching, you'll find the enrollment link for flourishing at work in academia. The direct link is also in the podcast description on your podcatcher for this episode. You can also email me at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com and I'll get you enrolled and we'll set up your one-on-one onboarding call so that you can chart your path through the year with me. Um, I really look forward to seeing you in the membership because I believe that personal and professional development for academics is pretty much the same thing. So let's join hands and work on that together. Thank you. Welcome to the Mindful Academy podcast with me, Jennifer Askey. I'm a professional certified coach and academic workplace consultant. On this podcast, I talk about doing well personally so that you can perform well professionally. I talk about intentional career planning and about how to get out of your own way and align yourself with success. Thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mindful Academy. My name is Jennifer, and I'm your academic coach. And as promised, today I am continuing the discussion of how to future-proof your career, whether you are looking at moving up, um, going through the ranks, either in the professoriate or in administration, whether you're looking at changing institutions or changing 
industries. Um, thinking about future-proofing your career, totally critical. So today is part two of this, and we get a tiny bit more tactical, right? Part one was a little bit about sort of inner realignment. In parts two and three, we're going to get a bit more tactical. So <clears throat> um, one of the issues that people run into when they start thinking about leaving university employment, embarking on a non-academic career path, is that your social circle might be pretty, might overlap to a great deal with your professional circle, right? An overrepresentation of fellow faculty members in your social circle. And so the advice to go network and talk to people may seem like a pretty steep hill to climb. Um, but that is indeed tip number one, is to talk to other people who are not academics about their work. I'll get in a little more to the whys and the hows, um, for, but just on a basic mental health and emotional resilience level, having a robust personal and professional network is a good thing to have, right? So there's reason, even if you're not thinking in terms of your career, um, there is reason enough to sort of broaden the horizon of people with whom you have positive social supportive contact. Um, if, however, you are thinking about reorienting your career in a different direction, then expanding your social network to include people who are not fellow academics is critical. All right. So um, I tend to refer to this as activating your network because we all know all sorts of people who are not fellow academics, but we may not think of them as our network. And we may think of networks as something that are kind of networking has a slimy um, connotation for some people that it should not have, right? A network is just people you know and can talk to, right? And you don't have to talk, shop, university shop with them. You are talking human things and approaching them with curiosity. So um, curiosity, as I said, is super important. What do you do? Oh, wow. I don't know much about that. Can you tell me more? Tell me what your day-to-day -day life looks like at work. How did you get that job? What sort of preparation does that job require? And so on and so forth. What do you like about your job? What not? This is before you get to an informational or exploratory interview. This is just learning about the world outside of academia because maybe we know what our parents and our siblings do, but there are a whole host of jobs out there into which you may have zero insight. And so if you are, especially if you are thinking that, oh my goodness, if I leave the academy, um, I will no longer be surrounded by really smart people. I will no longer be able to do interesting things. I will no longer be able to pursue my passion. The more you have conversations with people outside of the academy and get a sense of their intellectual and, and emotional investment and in work, the broader your palette of possibility becomes. Um, so curiosity about trends and issues and practices in other industries help you reflect on where you're at when it comes to your skills and what you have, what you put on the table for whatever your next career is going to be or your next job is going to be. Um, when I talk to people who are doing this phase of network building and activation and learning about other jobs, 
They learn that many of the annoyances of the academic workplace exist everywhere, that the academic workplace tolerates things that other workplaces would never tolerate because tenure and the tenure system um, alter the labor market um, and labor practices of universities in a way that the corporate world doesn't have to deal with, right? Like universities don't fire people and the corporate world can. And so you learn sort of, oh, wow, this is how this is how other places of work look compared to where I am. That can be an interesting comparison. Um, you may find yourself doing things like I did where I started volunteering because I needed to get out of the house. And I took um, a volunteer position at the local YWCA that after a while took uh, turned into a part-time paid position where I got to see some talents and skills that were just taken for granted in the humanities classroom be really valued by my coworkers. Now, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was learning to see my essential skills in new ways. So talk to people, get curious about them, and get curious about how your skills apply outside of the academic bubble. All right, so that's just getting the lay of the land that's not academia. The second step is start doing industry research around a potential new professional path. Um, some people, when they decide to leave academia, have a very clear picture of the direction they want to go. What I find with a lot of my clients from the humanities and social sciences is they're not quite sure where to start. Um, and often for people who aren't quite sure where to start, there's sort of there's a list of like low-hanging fruit for academic career changers that is adjacent to academic work. Um, and these, excuse me, these might not be where you land forever, but they might be a way to make the initial step away from your current kind of employment. So curriculum development, learning development, and training. Now you can do some of those things within the academy. That transition is difficult from faculty to staff. Er, it's a challenging one, um, not only for you, but for the employer. Um, but corporations, nonprofits, consultancies, um, there are lots of organizations out there that work with curriculum developers, training, learning and development, things like that. So you can keep your eyes open for, oh, what do those jobs that involve skills that I already have, what do they look like, right? So this is LinkedIn research. This is Glassdoor research. This is industry research. Um, there's also marketing and communications, right? If you're a language person, if you enjoy writing, if the um, if the sales nature of marketing and communication or the public relations nature of marketing and communication um, resonates with you, if it's a company or an organization that resonates with you, you might find that that is an easy path to imagine yourself into. Um, data analysis and UX, um, which is user experience work, those are, at the time of this recording, uh, kind of hot fields for people leaving the academy to move into. Some of them um, encourage you to do a little training. Some of that training is free. Um, if you are interested in, oh, what it might be like to be a project manager, a scrum manager, um, a UX designer or 
consultant, a data analyst or consultant. Um, in addition to researching job descriptions for those roles, I would suggest that you go to your university or public library that has a subscription to lynda.com, which is spelled with a Y and is owned by LinkedIn. And it is an enormous repository of accessible professional training in a lot of digital and technical things. Um, so if you're wondering, like, well, would I even like to do that? There are low cost and no cost ways of getting your feet wet and imagining that learning a couple skills and saying, okay, could I do this? Would this particular technical skill coupled with my subject matter expertise or my methodological know-how, um, would those potentially be part could I parlay those into a new career? And then there is being the independent consultant or freelancer. That is a little, um, that can feel a little financially precarious for people. So depending on where you're at financially, that may be more or less unattractive. Um, I will say that for a lot of people I know who have left the professoriate and found themselves in entrepreneurial roles as independent consultants, um, we have found the transition from the classroom to um, self-employment not as challenging as we imagined because being a professor actually involves a ton of entrepreneurial skill. So you may have that already and it would just be deployed in a new way. So those are some of the low-hanging fruit um, fields of endeavor that you could explore. Um, and as you're looking at either things from that list or your own list, um, I'll share with you some of the, the stories that I hear from my clients and other people I talk to who are in the process of transitioning, but thinking about, um, okay, well, I could do data analysis and I could do consultancy and I could do MarCom. And I mean, First of all, you probably can do more than one of those things, but exploring all of them simultaneously feels overwhelming. Um, lots of open tabs in your brain, feels like you have very little control over where you're landing or what you're looking at. So I would suggest pick one at a time. Pick one branch of work at a time. Do some research, maybe do some learning, maybe do some job prototyping, right? Can you find somebody who will talk to you more in depth about their work? Can you find somebody who might let you job shadow them? Can you even do some of that work um, on an independent basis or an exploratory basis and see how you like it? And then after you've collected that data, you can say, okay, I want to keep going down this path or I'm going to look at a different path. Um, so target one area for your next good step towards a new field of work and concentrate your efforts there. And as you're doing that, it's not just doing the, the LinkedIn um, job searching and the industry um, learning that might be required for that kind of job, but we also need to look a little bit inward again and say, okay, if I'm no longer a professor or a postdoc or an adjunct professor of X, and I'm interested in becoming something else professionally, um, what all needs to shift? So there's 
some of the know-how, but there are other things. So who am I networking with? Where would I build my online presence? Um, what would I be reading? Are there professional publications I would be reading? Are there conversations I would be a part of? What skills would I practice or develop? Those sorts of things. So what works over time for people who are doing big career shifts is not just jumping from the, as I said in the last episode, the very clear sort of train tracks of the professoriate onto some other very clear train track with, with little transition, but reforming your professional expectations and your professional know-how a bit and becoming the person who does that new thing, as opposed to being a professor who now does X. You slowly leave professor behind and become something else through networking, through industry knowledge, through industry conversations, right? So even if you're if you're on an off-ramp from the academy and you're giving yourself a certain amount of time, how much time can you spend transitioning from being a professor in all areas of life to shifting towards the next thing in your activities, in your affect, in what you pay attention to, so that the employment gap and the employment jump doesn't feel so jarring. So with the goal being to increasingly present as and feel like a person who already does this new kind of work. So that when you're ready to apply for jobs, you're ready to step into a new role and grow a career in that area. And that frame of mind, like, oh, I have been exploring this. I've been experimenting with these things. I've done a portfolio or I've um, prototyped a couple things to show you. Uh, that is different than a supplicant who's begging for a chance. Like, yeah, I know I don't have a track record here, but trust my skills. I'm really smart. I learn really fast. All of that is true, but it doesn't feel good to be on the job market as a supplicant. It feels a lot better to be on the job market as somebody who is developing new expertise. Okay. So the third step after you have activated your network after you have done some research and exploration and prototyping around a new professional path, then it's really time to take some inspired action. So you've focused a direction for your career search. You're practicing thinking of yourself uh, as being a different type of professional. So now the actions that you're going to take to create the next opportunity for yourself, this is where they come into play. So you put together who you know, what you know, and how you want to live and feel and create some action steps. And these will be different for different career paths, but here are some ways to think about what action can look like um, even before you've stepped into a new role. Have a robust LinkedIn presence. If your new professional community is completely absent on LinkedIn, maybe you don't need this, but it is it, it comes pretty highly recommended in the non-academic world that you have um, a, a robust LinkedIn presence. If for no other reason, then LinkedIn shows up really high in search engines. So if people are Googling you, you don't just want 
your university webpage or whatever can be found about you on your university website to show up. You want something that you've authored to show up. So that LinkedIn profile that has a professional headshot, that has a description of not just your role at the university, but the things that you do and care about. Um, And again, there are lots of low and no cost trainings out there that will sort of walk you through some of the basics of having a good LinkedIn profile and a robust LinkedIn presence. Um, LinkedIn can be very useful for professional networking, but you don't need to jump into the deep end. Just start with a good profile. Okay. Then as you have activated your network, maybe you're ready to launch into informal and or exploratory interviews. Okay, so these are deepening some of your initial connections and conversations and maybe learning about, hmm, what are the trends in this industry? How do my particular skills address the emerging issues, problems, challenges, opportunities in this industry, right? These these informational interviews or exploratory interviews aren't you trying to get a job. It's your opportunity to be interested in what's going on in somebody else's inter- um, in somebody else's industry, and to be interesting. Right? We and being interesting is in large part created by being curious about other people. Right? Maybe you also, as part of inspired action, have the opportunity to do some job shadowing. Right. If you're making deeper connections with people, would any of them be able to or interested in having you informally shadow them for a day or two or do like a daily debrief or two with you just so that you get a richer picture of what work life in a particular industry or role looks like? So whether you are doing quiet work behind the scenes of learning about new industries, um, where your skills might be applicable, how to think of yourself in new ways, or you're doing externally facing things with networking and job shadowing and putting yourself out there. This is the, the people interactive part of the career transition work. Okay. Um, sometimes networking can just be as informal as following up on chance meetings, taking people to coffee, and letting everybody you know that you're looking for new opportunities. People want to help. And people, even all of the green banners on LinkedIn saying open to work and so on, those are not as successful as connecting with people and saying, hey, I am looking for new opportunities and this is what I love to do. And I know that it applies to your industry because I've done my homework. That is how people get new jobs. Um, So successful networking for career advancement requires self-awareness, requires goal awareness, where you want to head to, and it requires some strategy, what kind of action to take and when to take it. It doesn't happen overnight, but it is so rewarding and even fun to to think like, oh, wow, I get to do a little reinvention. I get to do a little pivot. I thought I was going to be stuck doing X forever. Oh, wow. Now I don't get to. So if you can walk into this process with openness and curiosity, um, it can be rewarding and even fun. 
Um, and I wish you fun in exploring the opportunities that are out there for you. If you have more particular questions about career transition, I would encourage you to find me over on LinkedIn. Um, I don't always talk about career transition. I talk a lot about staying in the academy, but I'm connected to a lot of people who are profiling career transitioners all the time. I can highly recommend following Joshua Dolezal on LinkedIn, who is interviewing PhDs, former professors, former postdocs who are doing new things, interviewing them almost weekly um, and writing that up for LinkedIn. And he has a podcast that just tells stories of what it is like to leave the academy and go elsewhere. And that's just one place, right? There's the professor is out um, on Facebook that also does the same thing um, in a different way. It's more of a crowdsourced um, DIY help site for people who are looking to leave. And it can be fun, especially if you have support and strategy. So I look forward to connecting with you. Please reach out on LinkedIn or at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. And I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Academy podcast. For questions about this episode, suggestions for future episodes, or to request a consultation with me, email me at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. This episode was recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 lands. The songs included in the intro and outro for this podcast are Heartache by Silent Partner and Piano Store by Jimmy Fontanez of MediaWrite Productions, both sourced through the audio library. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>